Greetings, valued poll listeners, and welcome to episode 92 of the Poll List Podcast, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me, as always, is the one, the only, now available in plastic, Hector. How's it going, bud? You look great this morning. Oh, you know, it's popping. It's popping? Yeah. I don't know what it is, but I feel kind of stiff this morning, a little lightheaded. It's just weird. But, man... We, we we took like a, a short break there. We had to help the uh, the podcast network uh, reset some scheduling stuff. So if you missed us last week, uh, you're not crazy. It was a sacred um, timeline. It was actually to coincide <laughs> with the release of Loki. Right. Season two coming in. Now you have no idea whether we are Chris and Hector Prime or not, but you're just going to have to keep on listening to find Bro, out. I was never Prime. <laughs> I, 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 I always had to be like a um, <laughs> backwards variant. This of, is a this is a variant. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's very believable, but oh, yeah, sorry. I just keep getting distracted this morning. I don't know what it is. It's all right, though, but uh, comics, so much comics. I read a lot of comics over the last couple of weeks. Me too. Uh, so, yeah, maybe we should. Oh, no. Yep. I guess we got to do it. Strap yourselves in and prepare yourselves for we've got comic sign. Put the word out. Checks for my expansion sets. They call me Obi Wan. Act like you know me, son. Uh, well, Pop Hector and Pop Chris, welcome you to today's episode of the Polis Podcast. Uh, we've got a wonderful show for you. We're gonna hit the latest news that you need to know, or at least the news we could actually find on the internet is almost a story in and of itself our must pull recommendations from the past two slash three weeks our favorite new number ones and so much more for this is the pull list podcast <laughs> just kidding we're back <laughs> matt just went oh no they moved cameras and it's complicated <laughs> Sorry, guys. Technical difficulties. This is fine. Everything's fine. It's, I think it's a healthy choice that it is popular. I think you got to get back towards your microphone. You sound like you're a million miles away. Yep. Oh, yeah. I got to move that. Hold on. Oh, wait. Yeah. See? We're professional podcasters here. <laughs> See? Those of you that listen to the podcast just went, what on earth did Chris and Hector just spend 10 minutes on? But that's fine. This there, fine. Our, our wonderful production team is going to edit it into... It's gonna. <laughs> if you if gold. you did enjoy our last episode of Homestar and Strong Bad, words give of Nick Frost, the... it's gonna be a slice of solid gold, <laughs> a, a slice of fried gold. That's what it is. There it is. Um, I know this isn't comic news, but he released a cooking book this week. What? Yeah. Huh. He it's he wanted. News. He said the legacy I want to leave my children is the meals I make and share with them, and I'm like. Or that, you know, you're one of the funniest British comedian actor folks in the world, whatever. <laughs> there we go. Oh, well, now I have to make that transition of comical hilarity to something somewhat serious. So there I go. I'm really good at this. Um, but I did want to talk about something kind of serious, and I titled it in our notes, uh, The Problem with Big Comics. And... 
I believe it is. And I don't mean big as in like it's 64 pages, giant sized extra or anything like that, but literally that the big two suffer from, well, a lot of things that still don't make a lot of sense. But one of the biggest things that still bothers me to no end is I'm not sure if it's true at Mar at DC because I know it's true at Marvel, but I've kind of gotten the general feeling it's this way that even big name writers that are on exclusive contracts usually don't get benefits from either of the big two. They're basically guaranteed a fairly decent paycheck. Uh, their residuals all still suck, um, but you're basically still not an employee, even if your name is like on everything. And so recently, Thomas Tenney, um, who's been doing a lot of work over at Marvel, he he got sick and he doesn't have health care. And I shouldn't be laughing, but this is not the first time I've read this story. It's not the last time that I have heard Marvel writers who have either stabled or been on larger contract with them that are like, yeah, I basically have to keep a day job so that I can actually feed, clothe, and provide health care for my family. Well, it's like with Rico, dude. Yeah. No, it's a, like we, we, said, we, we have know a lot of people. <laughs> we have an associate who was one of the creators of Spider-Gwen mm -hmm. who had to maintain his comic book shop job. Yep. Like, like and Into the Spider-Verse was coming out before he had he could stop <laughs> yep and so we've got folks out there that are running gofundmes and stuff like that just to pay their medical bills who are out here making the big two tons of money um and it's just depressing <laughs> and i feel like i constantly want to share this type of stuff with people because you may not know and in a world where like literally everyone is talking about big corporations not doing wonderful things for their employees, like with the Hollywood writer strike and the actors and everything of it, it touches everything. And, but comics, it's been a really long history of basically being like, cool, everything you do is ours. We own it. You own nothing. Take your sense on the page and hopefully don't get sick. And it just blows my mind that it's still a thing. Um, but it's also a great opportunity to talk about things like the Hero Initiative, um, which actually was created by a bunch of comic book folks from publishers to writers to other artists. They literally created a collective so that they could help raise funds and help pay medical bills for creatives if they got sick or injured or whatever. But the sake that the fact that that thing even has to exist still just bums me out and makes my head hurt. So if anything, this is my <laughs> Chris's soapbox of go to your local comic book store, buy comics because it does ultimately help those guys. Like don't take, this is kind of like the writer's strike as well of they're like, no, watch the things that are already out there. That does help, <laughs> but also be aware of what socially is actually going on. And the cost to some of these creatives is significant insofar as if they get sick, they could go without work for a fairly long time. And those bills aren't getting paid. And so, you know, Look into the Hero Initiative. You'll see them at a lot of comic conventions. If you follow me on any social media, I usually raise funds for them. I do the birthday thing for them every year as my thing because I just believe – I know a few of the board members. They're all really good people, and we know some folks that have benefited, um, had some corrective surgeries done that some folks that almost lost their ability to create because carpal tunnel and other things had surgeries paid for. Others had vision correction things so that they could go back to work. And it's just a really great thing. So consider and, yourselves educated. 
I know it's not the same for everybody across the board because there's different rates. Yeah. But isn't like the standard uh for comic writers and artists right now, like for artists it's like ninety dollars a page, or is that writers? I couldn't tell you, and honestly that number sounds high. I feel like for the <laughs> big ones, um, you get like ninety bucks a page. And if a book is thirty two or let's say with ads twenty eight pages, um like creating one six page book or one one standard monthly issue of a comic book is roughly like two grand maybe right and it's going to take you most of that time to do it to actually draw that yeah so it's basically like being on my salary and then your residual for that is like pennies on on the dollar at at this point of sale because comic book because like a comic book (laughs) shop only makes like 75 cents to a dollar per book if like that after yeah and that's so. if they're a big store like smaller shops it's it's barely a 10 percent margin it's not great so the more you know and now we can transition to some of the rest of kind of what's going on in the comic bookie universe itself which is lots of randomness yeah, lots of randomness. So Hector um, kindly reminded me that I missed something. See, it's true. I do miss things. I tell you it every single episode. Here you go. Um, but we caught it. And that's that Marvel, the Ultimate Universe, is on its way back. They're going to do a big old one shot kind of introducing the new Ultimate Avengers. And then the typical... Ultimate books are going to follow. So, yes, all of you that want to ask me for the 47,000th time if Ultimate Spider-Man is coming back. Yes, it is. And that whole thing kicks off in November. So we're only a month away from Marvel kind of jumping back into Ultimate. Haven't heard a lot of the pieces, except that Jonathan Hickman is writing the one shot, at least. It, I mean, if you're paying attention to Marvel right now, it Donnie Cates has had his stuff going on and Hickman has like been like, I'm writing all of the things. Um, and if you pay attention to a lot of the big comic shops, your well, producers rather, you're going to notice that when they exclusive somebody, it's earthing. <laughs> yeah. Well, it Earth takes a lot to be able to thing. <laughs> bank your whole like line on one person's perspective. And here we are. We're in Hickman's universe of the X-Men rule. Everything. Um, everything around us kind of thing. And I'm going to save it for later in the podcast. Croatoa rules everything around us. Yeah, basically. That's cream. Is it cream? With a K? Mm -hmm. Thank you. We did it. I did it. We did it. (laughs) Um, Uh, Side note for anybody that cares to have their ear holes tickled. Um, There is an album where two nerdy, subversive, Christian-ish rappers um, Ish. make a whole new album. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, they're clean, but you might want to watch them at your lock-in. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, they make a pretty subversive album that's nothing but Wu-Tang beats. Yeah. Like, they take actual, every Wu-Tang banger, and then they re- completely rap rap a different song on top of it okay and it's called wed white and woo <laughs> okie dokie uh know what i'm looking for later today Noted. merry christmas and there's yep. an uh there's one there's a track on there called cougar swag 
and that's just being talked about being pursued by like northerly elderly women and there's also a track called ice cream sunday that is actually one of my low-key top 30 hip-hop songs i heard it here first people yeah uh wed white and woo wed white and woo I don't know if I, I I don't know if I hate you or I love you for that, but you're gonna love it, bro. No, no, that's definitely. I'm all about the woo and Wu-Tang, um, Wu Tang is for the children. They uh, the cover looks like an anime, which is okay, even all right. better. So onto the DC universe, um, because we are equal opportunists here at the Pull List Podcast. And another thing that Hector brought to my attention is I'm that, on top of the news now. Right. Hector's like out there doing the thing. Like, I'm just I'm out. I don't do this anymore. This is a Hector show and Kingdom Come, which is one of Hector and mine's probably all time super favorite alternate universe, whatever multiverse. I don't I've lost track at this one of the first positive mainstream books where the uh, protagonist or storyteller is a uh clergy member that's not a douche waffle yeah that's definitely true um but kingdom come is is a great um alternate universe in dc it's basically old man everybody um in many senses and the story itself is really good you should definitely read kingdom come but basically they've said they want to do kind of a prequel space so they're going to have batman and superman kind of revisit that space um the current timeline batman and superman travel to the kingdom come universe uh, and it serves as a prequel. But here's the thing. We've already done <clears throat> attachments to Kingdom Come. Mm-hmm. Like there's that book, The Kingdom. There's yep. another one. And I feel like Kingdom Come is very Watchmen-esque in space of like mm. most of whatever you do to tie into it doesn't help. <laughs> okay, now, Alan Moore. Um, well, it doesn't. And I'm going to say like outside of the <laughs> HBO show, no, no, I, no, no, no. That part of writing something that is as intricate as both of them were is where that gets in trouble because I I would have to agree with you that part kind of what happens is I feel like the people that follow are not putting the same level of thought into crafting the menagerie, such as it were, and it kind of makes the veneer crack on it a bit. I, I personally believe that the uh, HBO series of Watchmen is the only thing that stays on target with like the quality. Yeah, no, I, I agree. There's people that will hate both of us for that, but dude, that I, was a masterpiece. No, I, and it actually made some of the before Watchmen stuff actually relevant where it failed in writing. Yeah. Um, because that's where I told some people they're like, well, what do I have to know to watch this? I'm like, well, technically nothing, <laughs> but having read it all will help you a great deal. If you, um, if you know the story of the Watchmen, and you can it's watch probably the HBO enough. show. That's enough. Um, but introducing us to a lot of the characters that before Watchmen actually laid out for us and then actually making their stories relevant was definitely a huge piece of that. Alan Moore hated all of it anyway, but who cares? <laughs> Alan Moore doesn't like anything but Alan Moore. It's not wrong. So that is coming. We will definitely be reading that and figuring out We'll definitely be reading one issue of that. The one rest issue. is debatable. <laughs> we will see, because I bet those are $9 books, because here we are. Um, yes. Can I tell you, like, one of my favorite, also just I hate you comic book industry things 
Um, <laughs> uh, I want to say it was uh, during that whole era of like, oh, we struck gold with 52. We have to make countdown so that right. we can keep milking you for weekly books. Who remembers um, countdown? Almost nobody. <laughs> nobody. Because um, it was at countdown to infinite crisis and then it didn't even Ugh. line up. Ugh. Um, but during countdown, they had countdown arena. See, and where they were bringing in all these versions of characters to basically battle, right? Um, and there they advertised Rorschach versus Batman in Countdown Arena, and Rorschach was never in the book. <laughs> I bought all of Countdown Arena because I wanted to see Rorschach. Yeah, smack around Batman, and it just—I was like, I hate y'all. That was absolute false advertising. But I digress. But I digress. Hey, you remember Luke Cage? I do remember Luke Cage. Do you? And his um, how poorly his show ended and made me sad. Well, there's that, but I mean, just Luke Cage in general. I—I I am aware of the character. Yeah, I am familiar with the fact that there is a Luke Cage. Do you remember where we left Luke Cage in continuity? Yes, I do. All right. He was mayor of New York after Kingpin. Right. And, and he's just how gonna... long ago was that? <laughs> Less than a year. It was almost a year, but yes. No, he was. Um. No, you're right. He no. Uh, Jessica Jones. Uh. Um. There was a brief hit. There's in the Jessica Jones book that I bought that uh where sh- her clones were showing up. And right, which was a digital first and then print later cuz mm. and then a little bit in the Daredevil run. A little bit. So, just in case you forgot that Luke Cage became mayor of New York after um the Fisk. Kingpin yeah. and Fisk and that whole thing which was a thing. Um We're getting Luke Cage back in, I believe it's in the next month or two. And Luke Cage Gang War is literally going to be a three-part mini that actually talks about Luke trying to clean up the streets as mayor. So Luke Cage does not get minis and runs often, I feel like. I feel like the last, we see him pop up in a handful of things. I think the last thing was Luke Cage and the Iron Fist, which is like three or four years old now. Um, and that was a mini just, we don't see enough Luke cage and at least we're getting them back. So that's the thing. And I'm kind of looking forward to that, honestly. Um, cause I like seeing characters actually go through the, like making Luke cage mayor and doing nothing with it for this long has just got to depress me. And only a three part mini to tell the story. Well, I, making Luke Cage mayor and then bringing him back in a book called Gang War just, I feel like, is more demeaning. Um, yeah, it's not wrong. I was like, okay, thanks. Yeah, you did that. Perpetuating that the stereotypes. Yeah. Comic books do be tropey that way, don't we? <laughs> they do be troping. They do um, be. They... <laughs> I think I know what you're going to say now. It's even better. <laughs> Um, yeah, definitely that. So Hector and I were talking a little bit before the pre pre show. Like if we start recording the pre show before the pre show, we'll be giving you almost 20 minutes of extra content every single time. 
and which you can get from our <laughs> if you if you join our Patreon, <laughs> our Patreon, and our our exclusive pull listeners. We're not. I think it's in our contract with LTN. We're not allowed to throw too many puns in a single episode, mm. <laughs> which means we're in trouble. <laughs> uh, so yeah, other things at Marvel, but we were talking, and I kind of low key had this revelation that they haven't said it, but I'm getting this vibe that Marvel is actually slowly replacing a lot of their characters, or they're at least universe shifting them into newish characters which means marvel's technically doing a future state swap 5g thing without saying it and i don't know if i'm just crazy or if i am charlie day at the cork board connecting things in insanity and you either got that reference or you didn't don't worry about it um the latest in the series is death of moon knight is going to lead to the death of mark specter spoilers not spoilers the book is called death of moon knight Stop acting shocked. Unless this is a Marvel wedding, then he's not going to die. We'll get to that later. Um, and so Death of Moon Knight is going to kill Mark Spector, which is going to lead to the vengeance of Moon Knight and supposedly who is going to become the new um, avatar of Kanchi. And I'm be, like, be great well, if it was a therapist. <laughs> well, actually, like part of my brain is like if it makes it one of the other um, personalities like we're going to kill Mark Spector. And then, you know, the other two personalities are like, why is there one less of us? And they just continue. I'm going to be like, well, that was either clever or stupid. If listen, if it's still <laughs> the body, I'm then you wasted my time. Right. Here we go. But I kind of can't thinking... be the girlfriend because we just did a what if about it. Right. Or if they do that, it's like, well, that's not what if. It's literally what happened. Um, <laughs> it's not what if. It's what was. What was. Um, that's just a boring book title. Boo. <laughs> this happened. Oh. What happened, though? What happened? Um, we had Daredevil kind of do a hot swap with Electro, but that kind of resolved, but also kind of didn't. We now just kind of have two Daredevils, so we don't know how that one actually And I'm not happened. mad at that, because nope. what's Electric been lately other than Daredevil's girlfriend? So Yep, no, and that's fair. And this is why I almost come back to the point of, if Marvel is doing what I'm tinfoil hatting here, they're doing it better than, D than DC did. Um, but the Punisher technically also kind of had his origin and concept swapped recently. I've not been reading close enough, but technically, literally, all of the X Men have as well. Um, in all, many yeah, all the X Men are basically dead and come back. So right, and Captain America just kind of restarted, but clearly is mostly on the same path. We just don't know yet because only one issue's been out. But it's not uncommon to put number ones in front of everything, but there is a slight shift in the characters without an announcement of a continuity shift. And I'm either crazy or you heard it here first. If I say I'm crazy before that, I can just be like, wow, I don't know what I was thinking when I said that. Um, I don't know. Read the books. Come to your own conclusion. You're all smart people. Right. Aren't you? Aren't you? <laughs> all that dead silence tells me I'm alone in a box surrounded by foam padding and lights. Um, that's what I had for news. You technically brought me news stories, so I don't know if I should ask you if I missed more because you're just going to embarrass me. Did I miss anything? Mm-mm. Okay. Yeah, I did it. Uh, 
So that's what you need to know. That's our bi-weekly, tri-weekly, in this case, uh, look at the industry and delivering you all of the insider knowledge. Uh, as always, you can join in on the conversation with Hector and I over on the Love Thy Nerd Discord or on the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community. Tell us what you liked, what you hated, what I missed. As demonstrated today, I miss things occasionally. Um, I know- You actually in, had to read a Marvel book to hey, get the- First of first Ultimates. First of all, how dare you? <laughs> I, yeah, I read a actually, book. They didn't actually, make it in my polls, but yeah, you know. I did too. But I must have I flipped past ads because I'm just like whatever. Sorry, Marvel. Two page splashes of new events don't do it. Um, it was all text too. Oh, that's boring. That's like probably just, why I probably was like wall of text. I'm not here for that. This is a funny book. You are listening to the Polis Podcast with Chris Fourier and Hector Mira. Hey fam, this is Hector Mirai, and you're listening to Faith and Fandom 180 on LTN Radio. So I am a fan of stickers. Uh, see my laptop, Bible, anything, you'll you'll know. I like stickers a lot. And I recently did a podcast with someone who does art and specifically also makes stickers. So when the podcast was over, um, I was like, you know what? I should buy some of this person's stickers. So I went to the website and I bought four stickers. I bought two for me and two different ones for my daughters. So four stickers. When I purchased them, I knew where they were going. I had the spots picked out in my mind and I was totally cool with that because I knew (laughs) exactly where they were going. Um, But when the package came, he saw that it was me that ordered and so he wanted to bless me and say thank you. So he gave me a ton of stickers. Um, and I'm talking like 20, <laughs> some postcards. He even gave me some in other languages. And now I'm literally sitting here looking at my desk at a pile of stickers that I don't know what to do with. I don't know where to put them. And it bothers me because I haven't put them anywhere. They're just kind of taking up space. And I feel like because I have these things, I should use them. And it reminds me of this story that Jesus told in Matthew 25 about how he gave uh, three different people different talents, like different measurements of money. And the first two, like in the story, these guys like actually um, did what they were supposed to do. They were faithful with the gifts, and the master replied in verse Matthew 25, 23, says, His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. But then when you get down um, to verse 26, there was one guy who literally just didn't do anything with what he was given. And it says, His master replied, You wicked and lazy servant. And you know what? It reminds me that when we have gifts, we have kind of a responsibility spiritually to use them. And God's given you gifts and he's given me gifts. And I want to be the good and faithful servant, not the wicked and lazy one. I also need to put these stickers somewhere. If you'd like to learn more about faith and fandom, head on over to faithandfandom.org where you can learn about our Comic-Con ministry, podcast memes apparel and book series you can even read new chapters before they make it to the next book 
I'm Hector Mirai, and thank you for spending the last 180 seconds with me. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Poirier and Hector Mirai. We did have a cool conversation on the Discord um, recently about IDW and their imminent collapse. So if you are interested in other industry stuff, we've talked enough about IDW. I didn't need to bring it up again. But short version, some folks were like, well, what happened to all the cool Ghostbuster books? Well, that was one of the licenses they lost, which means all the digital versions of those books disappeared until somebody picks up rights. So you can still buy stuff that IDW has in print, but you can't buy digital versions of them anymore because the moment they lose that license, the digitals have to go away because that's residual they can make right away. The physical stuff kind of has that it's printed in the wild type type approach to life. So it's just interesting. And it's like, what happened? And it's like, well, IDW literally has the turtles left and that's it. So it was kind of the conversation of, does I, is IDW going to make it through Christmas? And I don't know, but it don't look good for them. So there you go. That's your that's your bonus news for the day. So I guess we should get into the thing, the thing that people come to us for. And it's not for plastic versions. It's <laughs> it's not for plastic versions of ourselves. Or maybe it is. Look how adorable. Is it a likeness? No? All right. Let's talk about why DC makes wonderful comic books. Oh. Brought to you by Hector. <laughs> uh, there's not all dc um <laughs> there's one book well one. listen okay to be fair to i be fair. had to be fair i had lots of not dc in my list this stuff was just better oh no that's probably fair um I, because it was three weeks and actually my pickup this week was as big as the two weeks prior yeah so and it was a lot of indie and most of my stuff is sitting in that space which is um, some faith is returning and the conversation at my shop this week was people asking what's changing in comics right now. And all of us resoundedly are like, you need to read more indie because they're telling better stories. Go on. Or DC coming out of events is telling good stories. I will say that I am enjoying Gotham more. Okay. More than most tie in crossovers um, in that. Uh, but let's hit Gotham War, drop in with Batman 138. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, so to be on top of this, you needed to read Gotham War, Batman, Catwoman, Batman again, and then something else. So um, what you're saying is it's an event. It's an event, and it's a multi-book event. Of course um, it is. Does it have a and checklist in it? It uh, Yeah, somewhere in the beginning. There you go. Yeah. Uh, but it's a small checklist, which is what I'm comfortable with. I think there are six issues total. Like That's not bad. Eight. No. And I'm fine with that. Um, and it has been nice to cross between the books. Um, but this, you haven't been reading this, have you? I kind of got bored. I'm not going to lie. Okay. Fair. So it happens. I'm not perfect. I am a broken human. Uh, the, the nutshell is that Catwoman has started training criminals to just be, uh, robbers, not violent criminals. Uh, the bat, the main bad guys aren't happy with that. Jason Todd just wants to kill the Joker. And, uh, that's basically where it leaves us at. Um, but 
as the last two issues, because I read the Catwoman before this, it didn't make the list. Um, <laughs> womp womp. It kind of was more of a setup. But here's where we are in the state of the Gotham War. Vandal Savage has purchased Wayne Manor. Right. I keep forgetting that Savage is back. And Scandal Savage. No. You know, did you not read Secret Six? Oh, no, I did, but still, no. <laughs> okay. Scandal Savage has secretly infiltrated Catwoman's organization as her right-hand man without her knowing it was Scandal Savage. So, Scandal Savage has been side-by-side side with Catwoman, nudging her in the direction her dad wants. Um. So, this is actually, like, she's getting played as much as everyone else. And so, we're getting, uh, like, a layered effect with that. But... One of the things early on is like all of the bat kids are agreeing more with Selena than they are with Bruce, and they think Bruce has lost it, and that Bruce is not mentally stable after failsafe. Okay. Um, and so Batman, and this is why this one's worth reading, like above everything else. Batman goes full betrayal of character and integrity, um, because he pulls an identity crisis on Jason. Okay, I did hear something about this, and I figured this is why you'd be living here. Yeah, um, where he injects Jason with a, a derivative of fear stuff that if Jason's adrenaline levels get too high, he goes into full panic mode. Hmm. So he can't hero. He can't even villain because he gets like, I'm a poop my pants scared. <laughs> if he does anything above like the crossword puzzle. Wow. Okay. And that's a, that's a thing. Yeah. And so like scandal savage saves him and like scandalous. And she goes to like, get help him join the fight. And he's like, I, I can't. And she's like, well, too bad. All I need is warriors and just abandons him. <laughs> and so like Batman has like Deuces. literally like if you're a fan of t identity crisis, or just the fact that Batman isn't about that. Like he straight mentally and chemically manipulated Jason to put him on a leash. And the fact that if Batman was ever going to do that, it would have been like in under the red hood. Right, right, right. Not now. Um, <laughs> but here we are. And it is a very Zadarsky thing to do. But wait, would you say that it's scandalous? But it is scandalous. Yes. I'm just happy to see Scandal Savage again because I miss Secret Six and Gail Simone and the prime of when DC had good villain stories. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, breaking breaking news. I did forget about this, but that like made the brain pan. And this was a Twitter thing more than it was anything else. Gail has said on her social medias in the last week that in 2024, she is returning to comics proper. And that was her tease for next year. Well, good. So that. there you go. You're welcome. Okay. So there's that. Um, up next is Penguin number two. Did you read this? Yeah, I did. This was There's a lot of words in these books, but man, it's good. Uh, Penguin two is some gangster-ish. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, no. The I kind of like this version of Cobblepot that reminds us of that the short little stocky guy is going to murder you and your entire family and your entire network of people if you cross him in the slightest way. Every time. That's and what he does. So, like, this is him. He has to go back to, like, criming. 
and but he wants his butler and his butler is retired and has a happy life yep and so this entire book is penguin coming in like a methodical serial killer and slaughtering this man's entire family well-being staff and existence or um, like as like a master strategist in a way where he's mentally breaking who he, his help the entire time to get him ready to submit. And this read like Tom King has a little bit too much experience with serial killers. Right. <laughs> this read like that. It made me comfortable, but my, my booth was next to Tom's for a show. I'm like, you're too comfortable with this. Um, this felt more like a Rorschach. No, he's a book. highly functioning sociopath. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. This felt more like a Rorschach book. Then yeah. Rorschach. Yeah, Rorschach's like, he looks down on the people and whispers no, and Cobblepot's like, I said yes, but I'm killing all of you that heard it. <laughs> but literally, the Tom what? book that he, the Tom Rorschach book that he wrote? Well, yeah, no, you're not wrong. This feels more like Rorschach than the Tom Rorschach book. Uh, this was great. I'm here for this all day. Um, yep. um, Which makes me uncomfortable that he is here for sociopathic oh, tendencies. I never said I was day. healthy. Um, That's fair. And this was a debatable one. Like, I shuffled between this and Birds of Prey and some other stuff. Um, but Poison Ivy number 15 has Croc, Killer Croc, being wise, poetic, empathetic, and um, <laughs> uh, surprisingly, like, this book is nothing but Croc having Silent Bob moments. <laughs> where he pops up out of nowhere, breaks the silence with something incredibly profound. And you're just like, did that just happen? And like, he's only in here for like the last five pages, but that alone, like just Crocs interaction with this. Uh, I'm going to meme some of the, that after this conversation was wonderful. So there's that. Um, this series feels like it's been dragging on too long. Like this, the first six issues were like perfect. At 15, I'm like, why am I still buying it? Why are we still here? (laughs) Yeah. I'm not mad that I am. It's had some great moments. Not mad yet. But it's like eyeball it. And let me just say the fact that um, Detective and Moon Knight weren't in my pools this month. I breathed Mm. a little bit easier. (laughs) So there's that. There Um, you go. And click, click, boom. Been saying this the whole run. We'll probably say it. There's only one more issue. So it's going to timeouts which by the way uh this is the same dude who writes the cult okay so it's um, starting to make sense yeah uh but this is literally just a woman a woman who is nonverbal. she communicates with polaroids and she's a psycho assassin like looney tunes level gag exactly like the cult amazing yeah what <laughs> no, no not at all not nope <laughs> No way should they perform, but you've got this, this one issue alone is, uh, evil gangsters with a paramilitary force hunting down one investigative journalist and a woman who only speaks through Polaroids and the little Polaroid girl taking out like the whole army. Um, like if you gave river Tam a camera (laughs) and a paramour fashion sense, this is that. There's that. Uh, hands of blue, two by two. Yeah. Well, she has hair of blue. <laughs> yeah. 
That's what it is. It's connected. What you got? What I got? Uh, I have all the weird books. I'm gonna I'm gonna lead off with the weird one. So I I shared the ash can of rare flavors, and so this is issue number one. So half of this book was that, and we now know the answer because the ash can was in black and white. It, this one's in full color, so it's pretty. Um, it's pretty neat to see that pencil stylized still from the ash can, but now has a fairly pastel color palette laid over top of it. And this was the book that, if you recall, I went back and forth and going, it, it, is this a cannibal book? <laughs> it's called Rare Flavors, and it's about this really big, heavy set dude that is like, I am the best at discerning two things, and that is people and flavors. And it's like, what? Should what I don't know, those things shouldn't be in the same sentence. But I read I started reading this and got through the the Ashcan part and then even further into the story as he's hiring a documentarian to help capture he's been basically given these recipes for certain things from across the world and he's telling the story of where they got them. And this one was for a chai tea in India. And literally You, you don't say chai tea, bro. That's saying tea tea. I don't care. Chai means tea. Yeah, well, here I am. Being I'm just saying that for Spider-Verse sake. I don't really care. Uh, yeah, well, I'm basic. Um, so it's a masala chai. Um, it, it, it makes you twitch not to say tea after chai. Does it? Chai, does it? Yeah. It messes me up, but I'm basic. That's it's fine. like saying coffee, coffee, bro. <laughs> <laughs> literally steps through the story of this guy being handed this recipe down from his great grandmother and like the preparation of the of the chai and having businesses businesses that closed over covid like tells this really background story of where the recipe came from and the flavors and everything and in the documentarian he's going through the process and everything and i'm like Maybe this book really is about like the foodie foodie thing and telling the stories that are behind like dishes and types of things, which is kind of fascinating if you're like into the foodie world like at all. And then literally the last four pages of this book, you find out that some crazy people in India that are organ harvesters, you catch part of this conversation with these two. And then you find out the dude that had the chai shop got murdered. <laughs> and chopped up and placed into a bin and i hit the end of this book and went is it a cannibalism book and i still don't know so this is really freaking clever and it's only one issue in and i'm still weirded out by the it's really well written into the detail of talking about like the recipes and people which is literally what the dude said but now there's this weird murdery chop people up and put them in places that seem I, I'm under the impression we're going to hear another story in the next issue and the same thing's going to happen. But we don't know if it's him, the documentarian or something completely unrelated. I'm in. It's weird. It's weird in a really, really weird, unsettling kind of way. Because <laughs> I legit was like, oh, no, it's it's a foodie book. And then the last like five pages made me go what just happened so there you have it that's a thing it happened um 
the sacrificers i didn't see that is that boom no um sacrificers is image um it's the remender that I've been talking about, like the peep it's the fantasy world where they all have been gathered up that there's this process. It sounds like annually where basically families have to give up either their youngest child or a child to be sacrificed is the understanding, but that most of the families don't know the actual lore of what happens. They just know they have to give up a kid and the kid disappears. Um, and the last issue we kind of found that depending where they got people from, some of them have been raised that, you know, this is an honor. It's glorious. We're going to like Eden type thing. And at the end of the last book, that's where they get is this place with all this food. It's fun. It's enjoyable. And we were having this whole thing of, do they actually die? Or is this like, uh, it's called that, but technically like your kids are being like celebrated and everything. Um, so now that we're talking about like this concept and everything, I need to get to the, we now know what happens. And so spoiler alert, because I want to talk about this briefly, is they absolutely get sacrificed. And what happened is they're given this huge, like a week's worth of overfeeding them, joy and everything. And they're like, oh, let's go to the salon. And they put like the blow dryer thing on them and they suck out all of their joy. And the joy is liquefied and provided as rich people entertainment champagne. Yeah, you, those of you that are listening cannot see the face that's being made, but yeah, that's kind of where I ended up too because this is the last page. So there's that's like was, milking a dementor. Yeah. So and but what's really wild is basically one of the people kind of gets freaked out that the people in the chairs next to him are <laughs> clearly being drained of something and is like, "Oh god," and freaks out. And they drain them, but because that character went into a state of fear, they're like, that one's not joy, but we have something for that. So that's what's being sacrificed. This is Monsters, Inc. with alcohol. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> not Yeah, and that when you drain somebody, they die. It's <laughs> They're dead. <laughs> um, so that's bad. But it's basically so the rich gods and ruling class of this universe can basically drink people's joy at this huge party once a year. Um, so there, there's definitely social commentary buried there. Um, but I just wanted to get there because I was like, we're, I figured this issue, we were going to finally figure out what the heck is going on. But I think we're about to see the rest of the story unfold because we've been introduced to the daughter of the king slash god thing that seems to kind of be against it all. So I think we're now going to kind of break into the story of we now know what sa the sacrificers actually do and why. Um, I think the story I think this is the setup for the story as opposed to the story, but we shall see. My next one is void rivals continues to be really fun from kirkman of kind of like the two aliens from different places that crashed into each other in the universe and they're supposed to hate each other but they end up liking each other um so they can come get home basically and here's so the it's thing enemy mine yeah but here's the thing that makes my head hurt most about this book and continues to make me go what are we doing here? Because this book is called Void Rivals. It is an image book that is in the Transformers universe. And I did not stutter. You did not mishear me because they did in like the first or second issue. You saw an Autobot 
and a Decepticon. And at first it was, what the crap is going on here? Well, the answer is, this book is in the Transformers universe. And back to what we were saying earlier about IDW, IDW does not own Transformers anymore. Image does. And they've referenced Cybertron a few times in this. Don't know where it's going or how it's going to interact. But this is technically a Transformers story, or at least something happening in that universe. Yeah? It's interesting, mostly because now I'm like, okay, I want to see what this has to do with Autobots and Decepticons. Which is what they can do easily with that is like, oh, we got to let you know this is here and you're interested. We don't actually have to provide content. And I'm kind of thinking that's what's going to happen is that this is basically another corner of the same universe, which is quasi. It's an interesting way to use a new IP <laughs> without using it. Um, you just have Starscream show up every now and then. And it's like, what? <laughs> And finally, not my number one, because I found a book that was better, but I do want to talk about Marvel's Gods or G-O-D-S, uh, Hickman's monster installment. I think this is a 64 page because the way that it got pitched in a way is that it's not multiverse, but it's multiverse. It's not time travel, but it's time travel. There's a lot going on here. <laughs> um so some have built it as kind of a new look at the Marvel universe and what is possible within it. Um, but basically we're being introduced to another Sorcerer Supreme that very much has the vibe of strange, but is a different character and they've set up an entirely, it's not a TVA or anything, but there's technically a group of magical beings that have a certain amount of order and order control requirements for the universe or the Marvel universe writ large. And so this is kind of the setup to that conversation. Lots of pages, new characters that at, like the new guy basically has this vibe of Dr. Strange and Tony Stark in the same person. Did you read this book? No. Yeah. Um, so it's like Stephen Strange, like snarky snark is like turned up to 11. Um, but part of it is that his wife, who kind of looks Emma Frostish, but isn't. Um, see? Yeah. But isn't. Um, technically gets a promotion at work <laughs> uh, that requires her to get divorced from our Stephen Strange foil. Um, because they technically work for the opposite ends of the magical control in the universe. She's like, I kind of need to take this promotion, but that means that I literally have to murder you. And he's like, or we could not do that. <laughs> um, and they kind of go back and forth. And he's like, no, I actually love you more than that. And she shoots him in the face. Um, and that's how he earns his uh, white skunk and uh, scar. Lots of, And then to resolve the first chaotic event in this book, um, he literally jumps through time and space bartering and trading up from a paperclip to a book of power <laughs> to solve uh, the thing. And that's literally what he does is his assistants following him through all these jumps and everything. And he's literally like, I'll trade you this for this. And he eventually goes to the collector and is like, I found this is the part that's weird. This is the multiverse slash everything else is I found a John Wilkes Booth penny. And it's like, Right. <laughs> that is the correct face that you're supposed to make upon hearing that and gaining that information. It's once he goes to the collector that you find out this universe is wicked small and you don't find these a lot. And the collector's like, yep, got to have it. Um, 
so you now have a multiverse slash like i said there is some time travel stuff going on here so like both of those paths are like crossing each other and doing weird stuff um but he basically gets a book of power to help him resolve the first kind of big bad thing that occurs here which is someone that is currently messing with the balance of all that stuff um this is very hickman <laughs> Yeah. And mentions Krakoa and all of that. And I was like, just stop it. Just tell me this without that nonsense. But we'll see. So I think all of the craziness that he's done to the Marvel Universe writ large is present within this story. Um, but this is kind of one of the first times that I didn't feel overwhelmed by the weird, which I kind of feel like Marvel's been living there for a little bit. Right. And it's Hickman snarky, which... I thoroughly enjoy. So you get another shot. Mostly okay. because I want, I want to figure out what the crap is going on. here. <laughs> um, this did not feel as pretentious as the X-Men re reboot, <laughs> I guess is the way that I liked it. So there's, there's those books. You are listening to the pull list podcast with Chris Fourier and Hector Mira. Today's date is October 11th. In 1975, Saturday Night Live premiered. This late-night live television sketch comedy, political satire, and variety show airs on NBC and features celebrity guests and musical performers. In 1996, Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door released in the U.S. This game combines the charm of paper cutouts with the adventure of a role-playing game. Mario and his friends must explore a mysterious world and collect seven crystal stars to stop an ancient evil from awakening. Along the way, they will encounter colorful characters, witty dialogue, and exciting battles. In 2006, 30 Rock premiered. This hilarious sitcom parodies the behind-the-scenes of a fictional sketch comedy show on NBC, such as Saturday Night Live, starring Tina Fey, Alec Baldwin, Tracy Morgan, and other talented actors. Also in 2006, Google announced the purchase of YouTube, the leading online video platform, for $1.65 billion in stock, marking a milestone in the evolution of the internet. For more nerdy facts about today's entries, visit lovethynerd.com slash nerdhistory. You are listening to The Pull List Podcast with Chris Fourier and Hector Mira. So what jumped out at the top for you though? What's what's the numero uno? Um, for me, and like we already talked about it a little bit off camera or whatever, is that like it was uh, Wonder Woman number one. Yeah, uh, it's Tom King. So that's what two books this week by Tom King. I like that he's still around, um, <laughs> and he's not dragging his dead mother in a coffin through the desert. I'm gonna get that in every episode. We need a sticker. Right. <laughs> the pull list podcast. Not dragging your dead mother through a co in a coffin through the, the desert. desert. <laughs> no, better for three three issues. <laughs> better than dragging your dead mother in a coffin <laughs> through the desert for ninety plus issues. <sighs> yeah, this, this is a quality podcast that we do here. Yes. Um. <laughs> uh. But basically, this is a. Yeah, you read it as well, but um, yes, I did. No, I like my hot take was this felt more. Uh, superhero-y than usual for, for King. Yeah. This was definitely more uh, Zack Snyder than Tom King in normal uh, 
definitely was broody. Yeah, it was broody. It was violent. Um, but short version and Amazon murders 19 people in a bar. In a bar. Yes. In a bar. And so uh, a government organization slash malevolent force is now rounding up stray Amazons that live in the world. Yeah, absolutely no political commentary taking place. Tons. Here. Oh my gosh, this is so political. Um, <laughs> absolutely none. They're literally showing up at people's houses like INS, separating yeah. families, murdering uh, people. Um, they have now. They now have some special bullets that'll rip right through an Amazon with no problem. Yeah, that was a thing. I was like, oh, and uh, a super douche waffle uh, guy who enjoys his work of killing these women. Sergeant Steel. Sergeant Steel. And um, then uh, so the po- and so basically they just hunting down Amazon's willy nilly has a very government witch hunt vibe. Yeah. And then they finally come to try and take out uh, <laughs> Wonder Woman. It doesn't go well for them. Um, she was not having it. <laughs> she had none of it. Um, none of it. And there's just writing talking about who Diana is. That sounds like a love letter, which sounds like Tom King just appreciating her character. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the very end, we're introduced to a concept that there is a lasso of lies. Yes. Which is a very Brad Meltzer thing. Um, so I get a little Brad Meltzer. I get a little Tom King. I get some nice art. I'm happy all day. Is is that uh, I'm sh- I'm showing my nevite, but is that bad guy with the the lasso? That's a new that's a new thing, right? The sovereign, or, yeah. Or is that a callback? No, to my knowledge, it's new. Okay, because yeah, so there's like this creepy old white dude that's like Murica, but is called the sovereign and has like the Knights Templar thing going and has the lasso. Bro, you know, like, you know who Whoa. this villain is? <laughs> Not what he's called, but you know who this villain is? Oh no, ready. He's the patriarchy. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> oh. that's not even a joke, yeah. dude. No, that's he. It, that's literally his representation. The sovereign at the end of this is the capital patriarchy. That's yeah, who no. he is, and he governs with the lasso of lies. Shenanigans! Come on, bro. That's political commentary. There right. it is. Yeah. That's my book. That was the only thing I was like, the sovereign? Who's the sovereign? I was like, we're, we're going to, the British people? And then it's like. No, and the fact he's like wearing a crown, but probably American. Yeah, the, the big old federal eagle on his chest and everything and the lasso of lies. And I was like, yeah, smells like Washington in here. Yeah, well, there it is. All right, my number one. Going to the other side of the universe. Um, image comics be imaging lately. I don't know if you found this on yourself, but Hexagon Bridge. No. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Is the lead in. But um, it's pretty. Um, it's almost Isola pretty, but kind of more muted in some of the colors because there's some darkness to the story that's going here. Um, But the premise that you're introduced to is that there is a group in the future that has a device that has the ability to make jumps from a current reality into other universes, realities. It's not clear, but it is referred to as the Hexagon Bridge. And the different places that the bridge can end up are referred to as hexagons. So basically, it's the bridge to Hexagon 
type universes. And we get introduced to a handful of characters throughout this book that are jumping to different places looking for something, but we don't know what they're looking for. And those universes, these pictures kind of help you, are also slowly dissolving slash falling apart whenever they visit them. So, and one of the sets of people literally find someone else that jumped before them alive, but not exactly alive. Um, not zombie, but like incapacitated, still breathing, but kind of not with us. And we just kind of get dropped into this. And we meet one character that connects them all, which is supposedly the doctor that has kind of created this um, ability to travel to these places. And at the end, you meet a child who is one of the jumpers that it sounds like is looking for other members that are family or other people that have jumped before. Okay. So it's one of those books that you're like, all right, I think you succeeded at giving me the premise of what's happening, but not the whole story, which means I'm going to read issue number two. Um, but because of how pretty it is and it's so far kind of a neat concept, I kind of want to know why the thing was created in the first place. Um, and what they're looking for, I think that's kind of the point. So I'm the dude that likes really weird indie comics that makes you think about things. And Image likes doing that occasionally. Yep. So Hexagon of the Bridge is a very artistic piece that I hope gets to a really cool point. Because I hate it when they set something up and then like we end up with either trope or something else at the end. And it's like, you had such a good idea what happened. Um, which teaches us that landing the plane is hard. <laughs> Unless you're um, Batman. Then you and crash. And you can ride it like a horse or just fall from space. Right. And Alfred will always put you back together, even if he's dead. Mm -hmm. That's not weird. Is that weird? But I, I think I think that's the show. I, I, I we 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 done popped ourselves. We talked about comics. Um, there was like news in there and things. Uh, that's what the people come for. So that's gonna do it for us here at the Polis Podcast. Episode ninety two is now in your ears, your eyes, and however you absorb media today. Um, I feel like we're in most uh, of the places. Oh, I need, to, I need to tell you a thing. Oh. Hold on, ready? More breaking news? Sort of. See the shield on the back of the chair? Oh, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Ollie okay. has the $120 uh, Captain America Winter Soldier shields for 30 mm. bucks. I definitely paid $100 for mine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they also have Mando helmets. Oh. I'll have to look into that. That's pretty dope. Yeah. Check out your Ollie's, people. You never know. Ollie's. Well, I'll Good stuff. Cheap. <laughs> not a sponsor. Um, not a sponsor. Didn't you say you also saw Fable show up there around the time that we were talking about that? Oh yeah, when Fable went public domain, which has that played out? Uh, yeah. Last. So sorry. Other breaking news is DC did absolutely what I expected them to, and the lawyer showed up and went, "Um, we need to talk." And then everything got really quiet. So take that for what you will. But yeah, DC came back and literally did the. That's not how this works. <laughs> Um, and then both sides got really quiet. So I have a feeling lawyers are lawyering. Yeah. But, um, but Ollie's has an entire like bookshelf of just fables books. You should read it. Fables is actually quite good. 
So definitely grab that. So, yep, we're all the places. It's digital. We haven't figured out how to beam it directly into your brain yet, but that's coming. Zuckerberg's working on it. We'll yeah. be there. Um, but we couldn't possibly do this alone. We are part of the Love Thy Nerd podcast network. You can check them out at lovethynerd.com. You can find other shows. Hector has other shows there because he does nothing but create podcasts. That's what he does with his life. Um, right? Podcasts and books. That's about it. Oh, that seems that seems legit. Um, so you can hop over there, listen to some shows. There's some new content over there as well. Um, some new shows, some RPG stuff, uh, some other ministry stuff. If you're interested in the listening to other pastors talk about nerdy, weird things, um, that's what we do. We're we're pastoral in that way. So check it out. You can also catch previous episodes of the pull list over there, and you know. Maybe maybe one of those things hits and you just listen to Hector on loop. Um, he has a very soothing voice. It's wonderful. <laughs> but that is going to do it. Uh, Hector and I do want to thank you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near weekly basis. So don't leave us hanging. Rate and review the show. Like and subscribe. Pew, pew, uh, all that good stuff. You can find us on the iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and so much more. YouTube. Because if you listen to us, you didn't get to see half of the jokes that I made today. And that's either good or bad. Uh, but thanks for listening. And remember, kids, read more comics. Read more comics.